the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome again to The Believer's Journey. Thank you so much for supporting and joining us and uh, all that you do, praying for our ministry. We really uh, do believe in speaking and teaching those who are believers or those who are seeking the Lord. Um, I do want to answer a question I I received just off the cuff here. We're going to do a program today called The Bible Questions on the Fly. This is going to be our 13th one. And um, But anyway, I want to answer a question that's not on there. Somebody had asked me, why do I always say aloha? Why am I always wearing aloha shirts and Hawaiian shirts and so forth? And and I want to tell you that I wasn't born in Hawaii. I'm not whole Somebody asked me if I was Hawaiian. I really don't look Hawaiian, you know. <laughs> but um, but I, I lived there for seven and a half years. My, gra- my mom lived there. My grandmother lived there, uh, grandparents. Um, and I, I lived there for seven and a half years, and it... It became my home. It became it was it's where my heart is. And so, I married a girl who is born and raised in Hawaii. Her father was born and raised in Hawaii, and so Hawaii is just part of my life. It's something that I love, and somewhere I go uh, at least every other year. And uh, this is why I say aloha. Uh, this is why I wear aloha shirts. I probably am not seen without one, even off the the program. And so that's the answer. Today on our um, our program, uh, Bible Questions on the Fly, I have a very special guest who's near and dear to my heart. Her name is Laura Trevino. Yes. And um, we don't see a lot of each other, which it really saddens me because I think you're just incredible. But I want to introduce Laura. Hi. How are you? <laughs> um, and I am so grateful that I am here and you're right we really have this love for Jesus you know and and we always well when when I see you we talk about it and it was such a a a great surprise that you invite me to help you with this well it's so funny it's like every time we sit and talk I mean, we have businesses. In fact, we have a business that we do together, and we have a business that we're competitors. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes, yes. And we might talk a little bit about those, and then we get back into Jesus. But, you know, it's so nice to have that. I am so, so, so happy to learn and to grow in Jesus. And you will never end doing that, isn't it? <laughs> Never. <laughs> yes. I, I truly believe that a person who's called to ministry is called for life. And so I feel called to ministry, and I believe that I will be teaching until my last breath. So That's a blessing. Anyway, so um, tell us a little bit about yourself for our audience. 
Oh, sure. Okay. My name is Laura Treviño. I am from Mexico. As you can see, it's, English is not my first language, but I, I try. And I came to San Antonio in 2008. We, as so many Mexicans, came for one year. And, and it's been 14 years. <laughs> and I, I, I always thank God for bringing, to be honest, I always say he took me from Egypt mm -hmm. to bring me to Canaan, you know, <laughs> because this country is where, where I get to meet Jesus, you know, get saved. And that happened in two, 2010, you know, and, and how, 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 what, What else can I say? Because when you you get to know him, your life completely changed. And it's been a blessing. I have four children, Paulina, Maria, Salim, and ba Barbara. And I, and I just have to say that I, uh, this country has embraced me a lot. And uh, last year, I lost my husband from COVID. Uh, but thanks to our faith, me and, and, and my children are doing uh, well because we know where he is. And God is good. God has been good with us. As the word of God says, with widows and orphans, he will always be, be with us. And, and we are... I. We are just growing in, in his knowledge and and you grow and you you your freedom is growing also. So that's me. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's really interesting because Laura and I uh, were introduced by uh, mutual friends who are pastors of a church, uh, yes. Carlos and Patty Castaneros, and um, and they. They basically told, actually, I knew of you before we ever met on the phone because they told me of your husband passing away. Yes. So I knew of you a lot before, way before we met. And then we met on the phone only, only for Carlos to tell me how wonderful you are. And, and we we're like family because as I am to him, you are to him. And so it's, we're like one yes, yes. Do you remember that conversation? It was really... Really, really cool. Like, yeah. God. And then, we, then we met in a whole different. Area. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we become friends. We we became friends, and, and and we are brothers in Christ. Yeah. You know. So oh, I love that. Sisters. The brothers and sisters. Brother. How do you say that? Brother, brother and sister in yeah. Christ. Yes. Uh, and 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 let me tell you something. I get to know Jesus because of Patty. And Patty called me two years in a row. You know how Patty is. <laughs> and I was not a Christian at all. I, I, she kept calling me by, uh, on the phone like, hey, do you want to come to a Bible study? And really, I was just like, to be honest, I cannot be mean with people. I, I always try to be kind. So I said, I always told Salim, my husband, like, I can't believe she doesn't wait. You know, like, I will never go. You know, thank you so much, but you know, I am busy. <laughs> but one day, 
I was <laughs> on the desert, you know, and I was just like ready, you know, and and she was awesome and God got you know it was Patty that brought me. Well the thing I have to say about well, Patty that's God, of course. Patty is truly pers- she perseveres. She's you know and she's a prayer warrior. Oh yes, she, of course she is, and I love her, love her so much, and Carlos, of course, and I will always be very thankful. So, what can I say? Anyway, so let's go ahead and start with our questions. Go ahead and uh, pick one out, and and here we go. Sure, sure. All of them are so great. Okay, well, this one I think it's interesting from Hawaii. Do we have two Lazarus, brother of Martha and Mary Lazarus, the poor man? Um, actually, no. We have one Lazarus, which is the brother of Martha and Mary. The Lazarus that you're talking about that's, that is the poor man is actually just a character or a person that, that Jesus speaks about in a parable. The thing about parables is that they're not necessarily uh, real, actual situations that happen with real people. Uh, Jesus is teaching, and he teaches through parables. Uh, but we cannot take a parable and identify it as actual fact. It is fact in the story, and it is fact in the, the lesson that Jesus is teaching us. But the names that he uses and the, and the situations he uses are not fact. I mean, even even with this parable, it's interesting. Um, he has a rich man and and Lazarus. Lazarus dies and goes to paradise. Is in the bosom of Abraham. The rich man dies and goes to Hades, and the rich man's talking to Lazarus. Hey, give me some water. Well, you know we know that people in hell are not going to be talking to people who are in the bosom of, in paradise. It just doesn't not there. So we have to understand that that's not the lesson. Because some people people think that, oh, that means that paradise is heaven, and it's no, it's not. So, no, it's not a real person. It is just a a character that Jesus uses in a teaching to help us understand what we need to do and how we need to live. That's, I'm learning (laughs) also. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Okay. Perfect. From Moldova. I heard evidence the COVID and monkey vaccine is potion of Satan, the mark of beast from the Antichrist. Does this mean we are forbidden eternal life with God? You know, I've had this this question and these type of questions a lot. Um and I think it comes from the idea that people are saying that the the, um, the vaccines or one vaccine or the other is the mark of the beast. And really, that's totally false. Um, the the mark the beast has to be evident, or and and the antichrist has to be revealed. And neither of that has happened. So that's number one problem. Number two problem is that. The mark of the beast is taken because you choose to take something which is to honor the Antichrist and you're choosing to dishonor and turn away from God. 
And that's not what the vaccines are all about. So when I choose to take a vaccine or not choose to take a vaccine, it has nothing to do with whether I'm choosing Jesus or not choosing Jesus. Okay, so we have to separate that out. I get, I'm getting those questions, and I've gotten them for two years now. Um, but no, it does not mean you'll, you'll not go to uh, have eternal life. However, if you happen to be in the tribulation, and if the, you're in the period of the time of the beast, and that happens where the, you're, the Antichrist is put out there that you need to take this mark or else, and you take the mark, then that answer is yes, you will not have eternal life. There's no going back from that. Of course. Yes, it, yeah. it, it makes sense. It's another subject, the, right. the vaccines. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's all about our will. What are we choosing? Are we choosing to, to uh, be loyal to God? Mm -hmm. Or are we cho choosing to be loyal to the Antichrist? And that's not what's happening with the vaccines. So the vaccine is, has nothing to do with loyalty to the Antichrist. Totally understood. Okay, perfect. Okay. Let's go to the third one from United Kingdom. Is it not blasphemy to worship the Sabbath since we are now New, New Testament and Old Testament is no more? Didn't Jesus' death on the cross put an end to the Old Testament? <sighs> That's kind of two questions in one. Yeah. So, first off, um, we have to understand that the New Testament doesn't put an end to the Old Testament. That the Old Testament is the Word of God. And Jesus and all the apostles and all the believers in the first century who lived in that period of time, uh, even in the second century, lived by the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Word of God. And so it didn't go away because of uh, Jesus' death on the cross. It still was there. Jesus came, said, I came to uh, not to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. But I think we need to understand a lot of it, we people back then, we human people back then, were living the, the law as um, a legalistic way of life yeah, that drew away from the spirit of the law, which God actually presented to help us understand and live in a relationship with God. And that's what the law is about. That's what the Old Testament is about. The Old Testament didn't change. The Old Testament has a lot to do with living in a relationship with him. And he teaches us how to do that in the Old Testament. He teaches us um, stories. He shows us stories where, where people like you and me today, where we have struggles and we tend to turn away from God or do something stupid. And God will send someone or something across our life to say, hey, you're going the wrong direction. And it helps us to turn back to follow Jesus. That's exactly what the Old Testament is about, about a bunch of people who are living for God then turn away because of some problems or situations they're going through. And God sends a prophet or sends a judge or sends somebody to show them, hey, you're going the wrong direction. Turn back toward the righteousness and holiness of God. And live this way. Yes. So we today in the New Testament church, if you will, can learn about how to live in God through the stories of the Old Testament. 
they didn't go away. Go away. It's interesting. I, I've said this before on my program. In, uh, I, I teach a class, and there was a guy in the class uh, a couple of years ago asked me, why is it called Old Testament and New Testament? Because that makes you think like the Old Testament is, is no more okay. legitimate, you know. Mm-hmm. And he thought it should be called New Testament, or First Testament, Second Testament. And I thought, you know, you're right. First and second is a lot better than like old and this. new. Exactly. Yeah. It comes together and works together. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Jesus' death on the cross did not get rid of the Old Testament. Um, and what was the beginning no, of that but, but, but it, it, Yes. It says that, is it not a blasphemy to worship the Sabbath? Sabbath. Okay. Uh-huh. So the Sabbath... Um, is given to us as a day of rest and a day to honor God. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed. You know, he still wants us to give a day to honor yes. him. And and not only spiritually is that important, it's important for our physical health to take a day of rest. It's important for our mental health to take a day of rest. Yes. It's important for Emotional health to take a day of rest. Medical society is telling us this. Science is telling us this. It has nothing to do with the Bible. So what I see is that God designed the Sabbath day, which literally does not mean Saturday. It means the seventh day. He gave us this day to help us in our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. And that is why he created this day for us. And that has not changed. So Sabbath, Saturday, you know, Sunday, we need to put a day aside for him for our well-being. And that really is what it's about. And no, he said, is it blasphemy? Is that what it says? Yes. And it's not blasphemy. Blasphemy is giving credit to the Holy Spirit, uh, that which is that of evil, or giving the credit of the Holy Spirit to that which is evil or evil to the Holy Spirit. And that's what's blasphemy. Not about, you know, honoring or worshiping, not worshiping on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's asking, didn't Jesus' death on the cross put an end on to the Old Testament? Yeah, and he did not. No, no, no. no. It's. I mean, even the New Testament, the New Testament has scores of scriptures and passages about the Old Testament to uphold and strengthen the New Testament. If the Old Testament was done away with, well, then Paul wouldn't have said anything of the Old Testament. Peter wouldn't have said anything of the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews wouldn't have said anything of the Old Testament. Jesus wouldn't have said anything of the Old Testament. It wouldn't be saying anything. you know. But all these things are said about the Old Testament, which gives legitimacy to the New Testament. So absolutely not. The Old Testament is right in line with the New Testament. Yes, to be honest, I believe that you need to have both to understand. And and in the Old Testament, they talk about Jesus. So, you know, yeah. it, everything makes sense. Like the puzzle, you can uh, put them together. Well, yeah. Yes. It, it works together. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, we understand God, I think, a lot more than, than in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New um, because there's a whole lot of stuff that God intervenes and gets involved with in the Old Testament that's pretty interesting. Um, so we need to study a lot. Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
okay, this one is from Africa. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, and why? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not sure what the answer is pointing to, but this is going to be, I'm going to try to cover a couple yes. areas that might an answer this. So, to be born again uh, is to be born of God, is to be born from above, of above. And if we look at passages like in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1, that we need to be transformed, okay, uh, it's not about being saved, if you will, like the sinner's prayer. I, it's, it's not that at all. It's about becoming like Jesus, becoming like God. And if we're, God says in Leviticus, and he, and he says also in First Peter, okay, we got Old and New Testament. God says to, for us to be holy mm -hmm. because he's holy. Mm -hmm. So we need to become like him. So when we seek to become like him, we are born of him. If I say a sinner's prayer and live my life and sin the rest of my life, I'm not born again. I'm not born of God. I'm not transformed. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not that new creature, creation, creature, as, as it says. Uh -huh. in, new creature. Okay. So I'm not that. And that's what the Bible over and over and over again talks about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we need to seek out holiness. We need to seek out righteousness. We need to seek out to become like God. Okay. Yes, totally. And so if I am to be born of him... And this is all the New Testament teaching. If I'm going to be born of him and become like him, then I will see eternity. But if I say I'm saved and I'm not born of him and I just live a, a, my sinful life or my own life the way I want to live it, then I've just said a prayer of words and it's not affected or changed my life. And I've not become like him. Therefore, I'm not really born of him. So... I want, so I want to separate that of I'm saved because of a prayer opposed to I'm saved because I'm born of him and become like him. And, and, and what I really think about that is that you got to believe. And the only way you can believe is studying the word, you know, get to know him, you know, understand. Yeah. Uh -huh. And actually, if you take the word believe in the um, New Testament, mm -hmm. uh, that word is pistuo, and it's used like 130 times in the, the Greek word in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, there's a word, haman, I think is the name of the, of the word. Um, and it also means to believe as we've translated it. Mm -hmm. But the actual word of the language means to act upon and follow. Like, like to, to, it's an action verb. Okay. It's an action okay. verb. Something yes. we do. We follow, to be a, a believer is to follow the teachings of God or follow the teachings of, of Jesus. It's not to say, I understand that he's true. Our, oh, no, no. our definition. I, I uh, yeah, so our definition, yeah. if you look in our, our, um, our um, dictionary, it, it, it literally will say believe means understand something to be true. Uh -huh. So people think if they understand that God is true, Jesus is true, that's believing, therefore they're a Christian. And uh -huh. that's not what the, the word in the language means. Okay. It means you're acting on, you're following, you're becoming. Just, just what you said, you know, because you, ha you can say, yes, I believe, and then 
you're not transformed and right. you are doing the same things. And, and well, we can then, I have some questions of the Holy Spirit, but when, when you are sealed, when you believe you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And, and I love that because then you, you will, you, it's not about you, it's about Christ in you. Right. And, 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 and then that, Glory to him, because then you, you, you can see that the old Laura and the new Laura, but it's the, the glory will always be, will be for him. Uh, That's exactly it. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. So are we ready for the next oh, one? Oh, yeah. Okay. Talk perfect. To you. Perfect. I love this. <laughs> okay. From the United States. We have many say they follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but then say the Holy Spirit told them God the Father and the Holy Ghost are not one. They say the Holy Spirit told them Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Archan Archangel? That's Archangel. Archangel. Michael? Is this not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, a sin nobody can be forgiven of? Okay, so we have a question of the Trinity, and we have a question of the uh, Archangel. If Let's hit the Archangel says, first. That's the easy one. Okay. Well, first <laughs> off, the teaching that the Ar Michael, the Archangel, is also Jesus, is a teaching that, it may be other teachings, but I know that comes from the Jehovah Witness. Um mm teaching and there's no biblical reference anywhere in the bible that states or implies that jesus is in fact also the arch michael the archangel mm -hmm. that that's a made-up false teaching false doctrine and it's just not in the scriptures so um if you're somebody who believes that jesus is michael the archangel because of teaching that you've t been told then the important thing to do is like what you say, get into the Bible, read it, and find out that that's not true, that Jesus is not Michael the Archangel. That, that's really important to understand that. And it's so, so clear. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. Now, as far as um, believing that and, and uh, believing about the Trinity, whether you believe it or not, that is not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was a believer in the beginning, just like probably everybody in the world, you know, um, or most people, I would say, they didn't know everything about the Bible. I can't say I do now either. But um, but I, I think that, you know, just because you don't understand something correctly is not blasphemy. Okay, blasphemy from what I understand, and this is a debated issue for hundreds of years, but far as I understand what blasphemy is of the Holy Spirit, is to take the things that are evil and apply them to the works of the Holy Spirit. And in reverse, take the works that are uh, of the Holy Spirit and apply them to those things that are evil. Okay. From what I understand, in what I and I understand the different teachings, um, I understand that that is what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. That's kind of what I believe. There are other teachings about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, to Some people say it's to not believe in Jesus means blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And, and I understand that's that teaching. I don't believe that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
But I do think it's accrediting those things to what they aren't. Okay. As far as the Trinity, you know, that's that's another issue. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, it's still all God. It's still all one. Okay. God is God. And God, however, we understand that God is plural. We go to Genesis and it uses the word Elohim for God. That word Elohim is actually plural. When it said God, we will we will uh, create man in our image, in our likeness. Okay, he's talking about our, uh, which is a plural. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God is Elohim. And if you read it in the Hebrew, it literally says, in the beginning, God's created the heavens and the earth. Okay. So that pluralness is something that, to my friends who are Jews, they don't even bother arguing about it. Well, you know, that's God's thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why should we worry yes. about what God God is and God's like? We're not going to know, so why why stress over it? And, and I like that thinking, but we we uh, Gentiles, you know, Christians have to argue this and fight over it and and stress over all this stuff. And like, you know, God is God, and you know, and and so we have if we if if we have Father, Son, and Spirit, we still know there's one God. How does He relate to us? Well, you know, we have a here's here's you, okay. You are a mother, uh-huh. you are a daughter, uh-huh. and you have been a wife. So you've been three in one. So it oh, does, yes. doesn't mean that you're three people, but you have a relationship that's three different ways and works three different ways with three different areas of life. I love the example. And, yeah. and God could, could be the same way. You know, I know people say, well, he's like a, an egg, you know, shell, yolk, and white. Or he's like a water. You know, you have liquid, gas, and ice. I mean, he's still one. However we want to explain it, it's fine. It's just that, but that's not blasphemy. That's okay. not blasphemy. No, of course you know, not. That's just, you know, a lack of understanding. And, and we all have a lack of understanding when it comes to God because we're, like Paul said, you know, now we see dimly, but when we get there, we'll see in completely. We'll see in the whole. Yes. So. I'm excited about that. <laughs> well, I hope that answered that. It's, it's kind of a interesting question. Yes. I think all the questions, you you will need a lot more time, but yeah. it gives them the idea, you know. Okay. Um, from Africa. Why Jesus wash the feet of his disciples? Okay. For me, that's an easy answer. Yes. Um, first off, understand that Jesus is and was our example. He came here so that we understood how to live in the way that God wants us to live. Okay. So he was that perfect example. Okay. So Jesus made a statement before this. He washed the disciples' feet in the upper room just before the Last Supper, okay? Uh, just before he got arrested and then went to the cross and so forth. So this is where he does this. Now, um, but Jesus before that said, you know, I came to serve. I did not come to be served. And he comes and he washes their feet, which is a sign of servanthood. Okay. So here he is serving the disciples, serving his church, if you will. 
And then they're having dinner. And in the midst of the dinner, he says something to them really interesting. He says, I give you a new command that you love one another as I have loved you. And the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So I really believe when Jesus is um, washing their feet, he's teaching them a lesson of how to love one another, which is by servanthood. Yeah. Jesus was a true, he was a true servant leader. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's teaching this to his disciples and teaching it to us that we need to love one another. How do we do this? By serving one another, by loving one another. Now the, the word Jesus uses in the Greek, agapeo, we, a lot of people know it by agape, agape. Mm-hmm. is it literally means to give of yourself. It's an action word, okay, to give without any expectation of return. So he says to love one another, to give of yourself to one another as I have given unto you. So when we look at washing the disciples' feet, what is he doing? He's giving of himself in love and servanthood and tells them you need to do the same thing for each other. I think this is why. This is my my take on that. Yes, and you know, for me, that that's precious. That's like... And a, a precious example of how we, he loves us, you know. And I think we have, as Christians, a huge responsibility, you know, because the world, they, you know, they, they, they know there's a God, but we, the Christians, are the ones that they are looking at, Yeah, you know. So yeah. it has to be... Well, you know, and I think it's interesting because here's Jesus. He comes as comes as a servant. Yes. Okay. And if you read in the Old Testament, we have we have written that you know we, the suffering servant, uh-huh. and then Jesus came as the suffering servant, and then we have the great conquering Messiah, which he's going to return to do. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So here he is, a suffering servant, doing this very thing for us. And I think that as we look at this, we can understand more and more what our place is within the body of Christ. And if that's hard to understand, what everybody needs to do is pick up their Bible and read 1 John, especially the first four chapters. I mean, I mean, there's five chapters, so, but read 1 John because it t- tells us how and why we need to love one another. And what loving one another really is. In fact, it goes on to say, if you don't love one another, then you're not of God. He's clear. <laughs> he really is clear. There's no gray area here. It's black or white. You know, you hate one another. If you hate your brother or sister in Christ, then God, then God's not in you. If you don't love one another, then you're deceiving yourself and God is not in you. So either way, you know, so you have to be loving one another. So, so Jesus teaches us in the beginning here. He goes on even to chapter 15 and says the same thing. And then John writes a whole book about it. You know? Yes, yes. I think it's amazing. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the answer. Um, from Asia, I love that I am talking about all the world around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I'm, I'm amazed that we have these people from different areas that actually watch and write. You know, you know yes, seeking God. And I get, I get a lot from the Philippines. We don't have, I didn't write in there, but we, I have a lot more uh-huh. questions that come in, but 
I get a lot from the Philippines. And I think because they're coming out of a lot of two areas. Uh, there's a lot, there's Hindu and there's, there's Catholicism. And so there's a big mix up. So you have evangelical Christianity moving in and it's like confusion. So that's why I get a lot of questions from there. Sure. Kind of interesting. Uh, I, I like, and this is from Asia. And it's a good one. If I cannot lose my salvation, then why does the Bible spend so many pages to warn not to sin. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your dilemma right there, and it's part of your answer. Um, the doctrine of, uh, oh, I don't know, where, where we get from to not to lose your salvation comes from John Calvin, okay? It's Calvinism. Calvin. And, and basically, the five points of Calvinism points to the very last fact that all those who are uh, depraved and only chosen by God and then finally they come to him because the Holy Spirit and therefore because God has chosen them they cannot turn away it's just like yeah, we have no free will it's just all there and therefore whoever is, is chosen becomes that and you'll never lose it um, I don't believe you can lose your salvation but again I don't believe salvation is found Salvation, the way we, here, here's the problem in, in Christendom. We look at salvation as something that is, it's almost like a light switch. You turn it on and turn it off. I am saved. I am not. <laughs> it's like, and it, maybe that's too simplistic. But you know, it's like, they, they, we take salvation and we put it in this little box of, of, that's mechanical, well, you say you can lose your salvation because if you do something wrong and you don't ask God forgiveness, then you, you go to hell, you lose your salvation. Well, that would mean that if, if I did something wrong, that means I got salvation because I found it by doing something right. Uh-huh. See, if I do yes. a good thing, then I'm saved. If I do a bad thing, I, I lose it. And so salvation is not that. No. And you're saying that I can never lose salvation. So if I have salvation because I prayed a prayer or because God chose me and I live a sinful life and I make something else my God, I can't lose my salvation because I, Calvin told me I couldn't. So the problem is, is that what does the Bible say? And he's right. There are warnings in the Bible about sinning. Don't sin. And Paul even said, he gives a list. Don't do this, this, and this, and that, because it could lead to idolatry. Now, that's a key phrase. What is idolatry? It's making something more important than God or making something your God. Why is that a warning? Because idolatry takes us out of the relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I can lose the salvation, but I could turn toward someone, something else, and worship that something or someone else. And it becomes my God. Okay. Well, if we look at the Old Testament again, what happened in the Old Testament? People turned to other gods, other things, and worshipped them. It never says they lost their salvation. God would send a prophet, said, hey, you guys, hey, you're going the wrong way. You're worshipping the wrong thing. Turn back, follow God. Oh, yeah, you're right. This, we, oh, you know, God forgive us. And they'd start to follow God again. Then they would turn back away some other's you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, they do it again. God sends another prophet, and then they turn back again. 
And it's a continual problem, like our lives today. You know, we're, we're not perfect. You know, we, we try to serve Jesus. We do something wrong. The Holy Spirit says, hello. You know, <laughs> you're going the wrong I love way. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know. I love it because it's so alive. And if, and if you are really a, a, a believer or you're saved, and, and the Holy Spirit will never let you. you know? Or it's like us husbands, you know. We have wives. Hello. Yes. <laughs> hey, you, you, you don't have to do this. Or, hey, remember? Yes, yes. Yeah. That, that's the, you know. We have a pastor, or I had a pastor a long time ago, or some years ago. He said that a lot of times the voice of God sounds a lot like your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's true, you know. It's true. And what do we do? We we kind of say if we're if we're smart about it, we say, "Oh yeah, you're right." And we we turn back away from that and turn back toward God. Well, in that midst of that problem, we don't lose our salvation. It's our flesh. Exactly. Alan. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it, we will always, you yeah. know. And so I think it and, and so sin. what is it that that causes us what is it that, that warns us, rather? In, in Hebrews, there's seven or eight, seven or eight warnings about turning away from God. There's several warnings about sinning and, and making something else your idol. If there are warnings about doing these things, there must be a reason. And if there's a reason for not serving another God or other things or becoming having other things become your idol, then that probably has a lot to do with making something your God and therefore eventually God saying, you know what? Goodbye. He did that with the Jews in the Old Testament. When, when God sent a, finally toward the end of the Old Testament, you know, God sent a prophet. Hey, you need to stop this. They stoned the prophet. Sent another prophet. They killed the prophet. Sent, and said, hey, you know, what's going on? And God said, what's going on? He says, we don't want you anymore. He says, okay, you're like a harlot. I, I cut you off. And, and what does it say in the Bible? God's not, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. God does not lie. If this is all true, well, then we need to be careful about who we make our God, who are we becomes our idols. Not if we do something right or wrong. Of course, we need to live like that. I mean, Ephesians says we are made for good works. We need to live righteously. We need to do that. Yes. But if we make something else our God, I think then we're in, then we're in trouble. Because it does say in Hebrews not to turn away and walk away from the light you've been given. Don't turn away from God and, and serve another God. And I think it's not something that we lose. It's the God we serve. Are we serving Jesus? Are we serving Baal? Baal? Yes. And, and, and that, that God is really, it can be anything. You know, it can be work yeah it can be it can be the craziest you know like it could be your church <laughs> yes. it could be your, it could be your services you know i know people that make their bible studies their god yes that's it, more it, important than god himself and, and 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 i love my pastor because he always says if i am your pastor no <laughs> you're done you know you you have to be, and it's only if 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 God wants you to see, you know, uh, that you will you will see. But as yeah. always, 
Yeah. And I think that somehow the church, and I don't know why we've gone to this direction, to this degree. I think, I think you know, a lot of times we have a, what, what I see as a pendulum. It's on one area, and it swings. It bypasses the center every time and goes to the opposite end. It's like, you know, years ago uh, in the churches, say the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, 1900s, maybe even 1800s, fire and brimstone. Oh, fire and brimstone. All this, you know, uh, this or else, this or else. Oh, if you go to a movie, you're going to hell. If you dance, you're going to hell. I mean, all this fire and brimstone. Well, all of a sudden... People don't like that so much that they got to, well, God is love and nobody goes to hell and everybody goes to heaven. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we've lost this sense of balance in the middle. Yes. And, and, and it's like, what's wrong with people? And I would think we have, we should have smarter and more intelligent, well, I guess that's redundant, we should have better suited teachers and pastors that get down to the middle and say, hey, you know what? We need some of that fire and brimstone, but we need to understand that God is holy and love and bring the center so that we can yes. live a centered life, not one on one or the other. Yes, not, not, not to faults. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's ignorance. Well, it is. Ignorance it's is. like the church is bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but, you know, you think about it. it yes. It would be like we that. are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, we we have with him, there's always hope. <laughs> and, well, um, from Moldova, once again, when will the tribulation begin? Before or after the rapture? <laughs> okay. Okay, for those of you who believe in the rapture, <laughs> um, the Bible does not tell us when exactly the rapture is going to happen. Nobody knows. Okay. We have the tribulation. We don't even know when the tribulation is going to happen. Um, some people think it's going to happen you know, after the rapture. Well, it doesn't ever say that. And it's, in fact, the Bible never preaches or, I mean, teaches that the, the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. There's no scriptures to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are passages that say it could be in the middle or it could be toward the end. Uh, and there's a belief that it might happen at the after the very end, which I don't believe either. But, I mean, my personal belief is that it, our focus should not be on the on the rapture. I know when I go to Moldova, I know I, they always want me to talk about this. This is a big thing about when is the rapture, when is the rapture. But I really believe that our focus needs to be on our relationship with Jesus. Amen. Because if you think that the rapture is going to be first, oh, that's it's going to be first, it's going to be first, God's going to have it first, whatever your reason is, and all of a sudden we, we start experiencing tribulation, then what's going to happen to your faith? Have you built your relationship on sand? Because now you're going to feel like you're let down because the rapture didn't happen, or you missed it, or you know you're, it's going to be a loss. So we can't focus on the rapture. We have to focus on our relationship and live in our relationship. That to- totally makes sense to yeah. me, you know, because we have to... He already paid 
to for us to be to have heaven here, you know, in in to rest in Him. Yeah, That's, you know. Uh, and I think so. So my answer to this, if you you know, that is my number one answer is is that don't focus on the rapture, focus on Jesus. Because if you focus on you're, you're going with him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the main thing, I think. No. But if you want to understand about the rapture, there's a lot of teachings. And I don't. I think I've done some teachings in my past about the rapture, about the end times. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's teaching about when the rapture may happen. The big thing is that we believe that God, that we won't experience anything that God, he will not punish a believer. Well, the punishment that God brings during the tribulation isn't till the very end of the tribulation. Everything that happens in the beginning is man-induced. You know, mm -hmm. all the things we, we see about the lack of peace in the world, which we're experiencing now, the, um, the, the scales that are way off, which we're experiencing now. The, uh, I was going to say that, like tribulation. Yeah, tri well. <laughs> yeah. The, the things about, I'm talking about the four horsemen, you know, we're, we're experiencing those things. The, the thing about pestilence, we've been experiencing that for years now. Mm -hmm. So these things are man-induced. They're not God, God is not punishing the world for this. This is our own thing. God has predicted this is going to be. This is what's going to happen. But it, but it's what we've done. And as we go and look at the things about the earthquakes happening or, you know, people, things dying and turning red. These are things that aren't necessarily God punishing believers. So we have to get away from the idea that the tribulation is all about God punishing everything. In fact, the great tribulation doesn't even happen to the half. There's seven years. The last three and a half years is when the great tri tribulation actually starts, mm -hmm. not the first half. So we can go through a first half and not even part of the great tribulation. And still experience a lot of this stuff. Okay. But when we have a problem with the um, abomination, okay, which happens in the desecration of the temple, that's the, that's three way, that's the three and a half year mark. That's when the uh, Antichrist is actually revealed. So now we have a situation where things get bad. So in this period of time, my belief is that the rapture will probably happen within the middle part toward the end part, right around the last, before the before the bowls happen, maybe three and a half months before the seven years. That's my belief. Um, I definitely don't believe it, we're going to have a pre-rapture. I'm, I'm going to get lots of writing letters on this one. I definitely don't believe it's going to happen before the tribulation at all. I definitely don't believe it's going to happen after the tribulation. Or when Jesus comes, we meet him as, as he's coming down and come down with. I don't believe that either. Somewhere in the toward the end or in the middle, I think that makes sense biblically. There are some biblical Bible scriptures that support that. There are no Bible scriptures that support the beginning uh, before the tribulation, and there's very weak scriptures about afterwards. So that's my 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 thinking. But my answer is back to keep focus on Jesus, not the rapture. I am in your team. Are you really? <laughs> yes, I am. Because, you know, I really, I, I am not very... Uh, I know it's important, you know, to, to know, but... You should come to my Sunday classes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I will. I will. This is the beginning. Okay. Well, uh, but that was a, 
a very interesting question. Well, which one not? Let me see. How can a this is from the United States? How can a Christian li live a holy life? Oh, I I would say, and you get lots of different answers from different people, but I would say by utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been here before, through time, but he gave us a gift. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will teach us all things and guide us into all truth. In the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit gives power and victory over sin. And we hear this through the writings in the New Testament. So the answer is, is to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides with all of us. But are we really utilizing the filling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can have power to conquer sin, become victorious, and live, live above that which is sinful? So we need to focus on Jesus, number one, and we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are victorious over those things. I mean, we are created with all the attributes of God, basically, okay, except for that we're not almighty. Okay, <laughs> so, so but, but all the things of God, of being holy and love and forgiving, we're all these things we, we've given us. I mean, they've been all corrupted because of Adam's sin and through time. But they're still part of us. We still have this just fragmented and, and corrupted. So if we seek that, seek the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit and live in that, that's where we become holy and we seek Jesus to become like him. Amen. Yes. I think that is. Okay. Uh, from Turkey. Even now you can give tithe or tithe is Old Testament. Oh, this is an argument for ever. <laughs> Again, if we go back to the, you know, Jesus was a good Jew. You know, he attended synagogue, and if he was a good Jew, that means he tithed. And, and, and it never says that we need to stop tithing. It does talk about giving. Okay, in Corinthians, it talks about uh, giving to a bunch, you know, With a joyful heart. Joyful heart, yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it takes away from the idea that we give a tithe. Tithe means 10%, mm -hmm. or, or tithe actually means a tenth. Mm -hmm. So I... I I think that tithing is a good thing. I don't think that the New Testament gets rid of tithing. I think that tithing is just not focused because it's not even really a big focus in the Old Testament except for when they didn't give. So I believe that um, it's something we continue to do. We, t we, we understand it this way. God, everything we have, everything I have, everything you have yes. is given because of God. So, totally. so basically, we give back to him 10% mm -hmm. of what he has given us to honor him. What is that 10% supposed to do? It's supposed to help those who are in ministry. I mean, that's what it was in the beginning, to help out those who, like the Levites, who didn't work. But even before that, it's to help those in ministry. And, and so I think that that's important that we understand that. Um, so I don't think the New Testament gets rid of tithing. There's not a lot said in the New Testament, but I don't disregard what the Old Testament teaches, so I don't, I don't erase it. That's good. Good answer. Okay, 
from Africa. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all, all, all things are new. How can we explain it? That's kind of like my the question I answered on the, uh, being born yes. again. So you're a new creature when you're born of God. So back to like the scripture I, I like in, in um, Romans 12. Not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's to be transformed, become like Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, chapter uh, 5, verse 1, it says that we need to be imitators of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, becoming born again, becoming a new creature is not New Testament teaching like a lot of people think. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, because I was going to say that. He's talking to Nicodemus and he talks about being born again. And Nicodemus says, well, I don't like, understand this. And Jesus says, What? You're a teacher of the law. You should know this. So obviously, this is not a New Testament teaching. So to be born of God is Old Testament teaching. It's to be, become like him. It's to become holy. To So when you become a new creature, it's because you've become like God. You become like Jesus. You don't become a God. No. I've had people ask oh, me about yes, that. Yes, yes. You don't become a God. You become like He's him. the creator. We're the creatures. We, right. we could never be the creator. We are, we are to become like him. Like Remember it says in, in, in Genesis uh, that God... Uh, Create us in his image, in his likeness. So in that image, in that moral likeness mm-hmm. of holiness is what we need to pursue. That's how he created us. That's what we need to pursue. And that's what makes us a new creation. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Okay. We may have time for one short one. Okay, perfect. Um, let me see. God created, well, this is from Turkey. Uh God created man in this image and likeness. How can we explain the image and likeness of God in a man? (laughs) (laughs) So we know that God is, and and if you can think about a circle, okay? And in the middle of that circle, you have a lot of pieces of a pie, okay? Uh In the middle, we have God's main characteristic, which is Holiness. God is first and foremost and central holy. Mm-hmm. From there, we have these pies. He is love. He is patient. He is forgiving. He is almighty. He is, you know, uh, he's anger. He's jealous. All these, but they all come from his center, which is holiness. He is holy. God created us in his likeness, in his image, which means in that same pattern that God is holy or God is in his image, he created us. The only thing, like I said, we're not almighty. That part of it, we're not. However, he did create something that, that of us that empowers us so we are dependent upon him through empowerment. So we can be empowered through our dependence of him, through holiness. Depends. So as God is holy, as God is love, and, and all these areas of his characteristic, so are we. Unfortunately, through time, this become corrupted. 
You know, we are not holy as God is holy. God tells us he wants us to be that. We're to seek that, strive to become that. So when we look at God's characteristics, that's what we need to see because that's what God has created, created in man. And that's what he wants us to seek after. So when he asks the question, how, is, how do we see God's characteristics in man? It's just God's characteristics duplicated, less the idea that we are almighty, because that's God. And you know what? I love that he calls us saints, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and he sees us perfect. But because Christ is in us, you know, and, and, and we accepted his son. I, I'm not sure he sees us perfect. What he sees is that he doesn't hold us accountable because of Jesus. That, yes, that's what I meant. You know, like, uh, it's, I don't know. My, my, I love my pastor's uh, example that he says, it's like if you, if you put the... Just to understand, you know, the head of Jesus Christ, you know, so that's why he, we, we are just like you said, as his image, you know, so I, I love that. But anyway, I think well, we're done. This has been good. This First time. Yeah. I hope not the last one. <laughs> I hope that you understood my English. <laughs> But well, I understood you perfectly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for joining us today. Everyone, you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.